Hello and welcome to another Music Analyze Focus with me, Music Analyze editor Joe Sparrow, and we're about to chat to Vicky Nauman, who's founder of music consultancy Crossborder Works. Now, Vicky has recently worked on a notable music metaverse project, which involved the licensing of 20 of superstar DJ David Guetta's songs for an event where he, via his virtual avatar, DJed in Roblox earlier this year. So we want to talk to Vicky about licensing music, which is something that's tricky enough in normal circumstances, in the metaverse. This, therefore, is another show in our series that digs into the burgeoning Web3 spaces, new concepts, the ideas and conventions, and figure out how they connect to the music business. As a reminder, Web3 is a kind of technological sea change in how we use the internet with a wave of new, often complex technologies related to the crypto, decentralized and NFT space. And it encompasses as well the metaverse, amongst other things. And that's what we're talking to Vicky about today. That's coming along in just a minute. Now, what is this Focus podcast? Well, Music Ally provides an analysis-rich guide to the music business. And each of these Music Ally Focus episodes analyzes one meaningful music business story at a time in focus if you see where i'm going with that now this podcast is also going to be quick it should take about the same amount of time as it took ashrita Furman to run a mile whilst spinning a whip top that was in 25 minutes and 13 seconds which was achieved in turkey in 2006 now, talking of spinning things for a living, David Guetta is probably the most famous DJ on the planet, and having DJed in his own Ibethan club, on top of skyscrapers, in memes, and at giant EDM festivals full of gurning, neon-clad ravers, his tireless quest for finding new places to DJ has finally landed him a gig in the metaverse. That happened in February, and it meant that a set of his songs had to be cleared for use in Roblox. These are complicated steps into new territory, and Vicky Nauman was the person tasked to do it. So we wanted to find out what she learned along the way. So let's talk to Vicky now. So we're very happy to welcome Vicky Nauman, founder of music consultancy Cross Border Works, to the podcast. Um, hi, Vicky. Thanks for joining us. Oh, thank you for having me. Now, Vicky has recently worked on a notable metaverse project on the music licensing component. Uh, for an appearance David Guetta made DJing as his virtual self within the Roblox ecosystem in early February. And Vicky, you worked on music licensing for 20 of David Guetta's songs. Uh, and we'll dig into that into, in a moment. So we wanted to talk to Vicky about the intricacies of licensing music for the metaverse, which is a new space where things sort of work the same but sort of work differently. Uh, so perhaps to start us off, can you tell us about this project with David Guetta and what you had to do uh, in sort of specific terms of you know what what did you need to do and what obstacles did you overcome that were perhaps unique when doing this for the metaverse? Yeah, so this I, I was really thrilled to do this project because I've been studying and looking at everything that's emerging, you know, new technologies and how Web3 is starting to come to be, come together with, and I, and I encapsulate the metaverse, um, you know, virtual world, NFTs, blockchain, crypto, AR, VR, immersive experiences. There's a lot of things in that when we bundle in Web3, which I believe is going to be a really exciting reinvention of the internet, kind of like it was maybe 1999 to 2001, 
where a lot of the rules were changing, the systems, you know, I think we are going to have a lot more potential for empowerment of both creators as well as hopefully end users who may have a little bit more control over their data. Um, we'll see about all of that, but um, but I think the potential is there. So um, I for this project with David Guetta, it was with, I was actually representing Warner Music and they, um, they really want to create a pipeline for their artists into the metaverse and into some of these, into some of these emerging technologies, which I love. Very, very supportive of that. And so David came up, David's team was very involved in, in the project and he came up with the set list. And, um, and usually what I do is, you know, whenever I start a project like this, I like scope out, okay, what is the functionality? You know, do we really need sync licenses? Is it embedded in the experience? Um, what set of rights? And then how do we structure those rights? And for this, we wanted to make it, um, we knew that it was a short-lived event. It was really only up for three days. And, um, and then we wanted to... You know, we recognized right away, I did some research on the ownership and found that there were um, an inordinate number of writers and uh, contributors on this, a couple of split masters and, you know, an average of seven writers per song. And there were also, it almost felt, <laughs> it almost felt like I was in a, um, in some sort of a um, parallel experience because uh, because I, I started looking at it and it had everything, a new song where the, song, the splits hadn't been sorted, um, non-society writers who were not part of any kind of collection society, um, writers who were not signed to any kind of publishing administrator, and then, you know, shared masters and, you know, samples and the whole thing. And, um, so it was a really, really complex set of songs. And, you know, we see that in electronic music a lot. Um, but, but what I did is I just really mapped the whole thing out. And uh, there were a lot of things that were not registered in any, any system out there. So I just went old school and started finding writers on social media and searching and doing Google, you know, deep searches and <laughs> contacting their, their companies. It, 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 you sort of entered your own metaverse of, of licensing, torturous licensing processes. Yeah. Uh, we, we, I've put, I'm going to put a link uh, to um, this project, the David Guetta and Roblox project. So you can see this uh, when you finish listening to the podcast. So so obviously that sounds like a <laughs> like a you know a, an interesting and complicated experience um but like you say uh, traditional techniques of of going and licensing things let's talk about this in the structural sense of how the existing music industry is is sort of set up to interact with a space like the metaverse because the metaverse is clearly different in that it's experiential in a different way it connects fans and artists in a different way it connects users with music in different ways and the expectation of the users and how music interacts with them is very different and then of course from the artist end as well so as you went down that labyrinth of licensing did you have any idea of how the industry is is currently set up and how that rubs up against the metaverse and what changes there might be needed absolutely absolutely i mean the, the way the industry works now is we have we have a handful of existing models where we have you know if it's radio there's there's one type of license regime mostly statutory if it's on-demand streaming which is what we have Spotify and Apple Music 
you know, there's, there's a structure around that. If it's synchronization um, for games, films, TV, then there's a specific structure around that. And then we have platforms like TikTok and YouTube and Triller. And these are kind of like they've had to create their own model, kind of a combination of licensing and safe harbor. What I'm seeing in the metaverse is um, is much more fragmentation, many more companies lining up with venture capital behind them that are building systems, tools, architecture that is designed so that creators and artists and musical artists as a subset of creators can engage directly in these platforms so that you know you can come to the table in any of these new emerging platforms and technologies and say wow i can you know i can figure out how to build a community around my art i can create an nft i can go live in the metaverse in a concert i can do that directly i don't necessarily need to have an entire entourage around myself. And so this is great for the young and upcoming artists who control everything, who are self-releasing, they own the master in the publishing. But that we have a very, very uh, fragmented way that people are creating music, especially pop music, hip hop, and electronic music, where there can be 10 writers on every song, and those can be from 10 different publishers. And the master recording can have a shared master or samples in it. And it's extremely difficult to imagine how an artist who is in that existing ecosystem can just go and be nimble in the metaverse and be able to spin up all sorts of of self-initiated activities. And so I think that there's, I think that, you know, I, I am hoping that everything in the metaverse does not end up being, you know, UGC and that everything is safe harbor and people are uploading things and it gets very messy. I really want to try to create a bridge between this existing world and the metaverse so that artists, labels, and even songwriters who are interested in doing initiatives, that they have systems and they have capabilities of being able to, being able to do that. But it's a different, it's a different paradigm from catalogs, which is how the industry operates now. You made an interesting point there about how there is a sort of um, separation emerging of artists who are have maybe emerged and have developed in the, I'm not going to say the old industry, but the, the industry around where ownership is different, the traditional industry, and then this new stream of artists who are not necessarily all emerging artists. There are ones who are well-established, but are they own everything. They're very direct to fan and they're controlling their um, situation. Do you think that that they that latter group, the ones who are in more control, if you like, have more opportunity in the metaverse? Or is it equally is it equally accessible to the David Guettas of this world, you know, who have these big complicated things. I think it's, I think it will be equally, equally accessible, but I think that, um, that the path, there's a few more mountains that have to be climbed. If you are a David Guetta and you are an established artist and you have an army of, of rights holders that are associated with every song, then it is for the, those that are, that are, that control everything. Um, you know, I think there's a rub in here in that 
most of the uh, most of the the fan activity and the money is in the traditional industry. And um, we will see, I, I, I firmly believe that we will see a, a peeling off of, of this you know, younger crowd, the artists who control everything of all stages of their careers, and they will be able to light up experiences much more quickly and much earlier in the metaverse than the traditional industry will. All right, just to jump in halfway here, if you're finding this useful and you uh, want more of this kind of in-depth news and trusted contextual analysis waiting for you in your inbox every morning, as well as having access to all of Music Ally's industry-leading reports, uh, head on over to musically.com slash subscribe. If you work for an indie label, you're an artist manager, you're an employee of a CMO or publisher, you might be eligible for one of our sponsored complimentary subscriptions as well so head over to musically.com slash subscribe and find out more all right let's go back over to vicky now one of the really interesting things about the metaverse is that it is not just a place for people to go and visit and experience things it's it's also a a big part of the user base is makers people building things those experiences um, whether they are hobbyists, DIY people, or big companies, and that is an inherent part of it. It's build like a play, like a, a playground. They're building things and changing things and experiencing them. And those makers inherently expect the creative elements that they're building with, like three D elements, uh, a visual three D elements, to be easily available to build the things they want. So they're willing to go and pay for them and buy these things, but they want them to be, okay, I'll buy it easily, I'm going to go and use it, and then I'm not going to have to worry about any further sort of complications around it after that. Now, <clears throat> music traditionally has been a little bit more complicated for various reasons. So do they expect music to be similarly easy to use? Like Lego blocks, You, I want to buy this song to use, and it's going to go in there and... That I want it to be easy to buy, I want it to be affordable, and I want to be able to go and do what I want with it. And is the industry ready for that? Well, I think the I think a lot of these platforms are starting to think that way. And I spoke at an event in November called AWE, which is this augmented world. It was in Santa Clara, amazing event. And I got to meet so many companies that were that were building tools, systems, metaverse, all sorts of different platforms. And so I was exposed to this and it was palpable how much they were seeing creators of all kinds, you know, people who are musical creators, people who are not musical creators, that they see these tools that are being built as really enabling capabilities that these creators can take those tools and pull the technology in a direction in which they want to express their art, which is really exciting. And I feel like that is so perfectly positioned for music if we decouple that from the rights. And um, because artists are always the ones that are first to embrace these new technologies. They're always, you know, as an industry, we often have a lot of resistance, but the artists themselves, if they're if it's a new way for them to express themselves and integrate something into their into their art and their creativity, they're absolutely you know going to be you know the first in line to do it. So I feel like music is really really well positioned for that. But the you know musicians are very well positioned for that. But the industry is not 
is not necessarily very well positioned for it because I don't, I do not see, uh, you know, uh, uh, any kind of real interest in any of these metaverse type platforms in having 60 million songs and having full catalogs in the same way that we think of Spotify and Apple music and Pandora and these really broad based, even TikTok, where, where everyone has access to everything. I think that there are, there's a different philosophy and it's really around, you know, individual artists and individual creators, you know, really leading the charge in the metaverse. And I think that that poses some really serious challenges, not only around rights, but because that's artist name and likeness. And so this isn't necessarily something that a label can just spin up without having some sort of involvement by the artist. And so, you know, so it, it, it opens up a little bit of a, you know, of, of a conundrum and I'm really encouraging artists and labels who want to explore this to, you know, to, to really start examining, you know, which in the, which artists in their rosters, because it won't be all of them. You know, this, this probably won't be legacy artists who want to go and do uh, you know, a set in, you know, in the metaverse and, you know, but legacy artists might be really great for some NFTs for collectability. Um, but I think there's a segmentation that has to happen between all of the different artists, not so much albums, which is also how labels are often structured is around albums, but around artists who represent a really wide repertoire that may cross multiple labels and possibly hundreds of publishers um, which of those artists are are right, and who wants who wants to play? And then let's let's build a bridge for that. It's interesting, isn't it? Because it's it feels like not just here in the metaverse, but there's a sort of rapid stratification of how different artists and different music should be used in different ways, and they and it is not one size fit all now. So you know, just to take the metaverse for instance, yes, some artists are. Um, suitable for doing shows in the metaverse where you can go and participate and those are probably going to be big name artists but then at the same time you've got these makers who want to go out and make unique little experiences for their friends or for a small community or a smallish community and they just want to plug in music and make it fit into this thing they're making and that's going to be a different group of artists probably with different sort of licensing deals and those artists will be happy for creators to take their music and bend it and shape it and fit it into stuff and we you know we're starting to see that settle out and i guess is, is that the sort of nature of the the challenge that that rights holders need to broach absolutely i think you put it really really well and succinctly and i think it's a double-edged sword because i i feel like when we look at the landscape now I mean, on-demand streaming is, it's a volume-based, it's a volume-based business. If you are a niche artist and you have music and you have loyal fans all over the world, but your music is maybe not something that is played on repeat and it isn't in all the big playlists and doesn't have, you know, hundreds of millions of streams, then I would argue, you know, the one size fits all of what we have now of on-demand streaming services doesn't necessarily work for everyone. Um, and so I think that this is a, an enormous opportunity for us to create micro communities that, that have popped up in the global ecosystem, the global listening experience of 
on-demand streaming, but take, take those communities and move them into areas where the fans and the artists are no longer just, you know, they're no longer just an audience performing for a fan, but maybe there's a community. Maybe there is a micro subscription to individual artists. There's going to be so many different ways. And I'm really hopeful that this will enable artists who are not necessarily ever going to fit into structures that are built for the biggest billboard uh, charting artists, um, that it might really open up opportunities for them to have niche fans, niche followings, and be able to really monetize them and connect with them more meaningfully. Mm. Yes, fascinating uh, period we're entering into now. And the metaverse seems like an inevitable part of our future technology and media consumption mix, however it shakes out and however we, we experience it. Um, the, the opportunities are clearly infinite, and for, for good and for bad. But as you look ahead from your perspective, what particular uses of music are you looking forward to that could really only happen in the metaverse? Oh, that's a great question. I mean, I, I feel like I put it into a few categories. I do feel like there's something there with NFTs and music. Um, and I think it's a combination, I think it's a combination of collectability. Music is, you know, we already have a, a long history of people wanting to collect things, you know, teach, you know, t-shirts, colored vinyl, whatnot. Um, so I think there's an interest around collectability. There's also interest and a good fit around access. So that if someone is, you know, buys an NFT, that they become, you know, part of a perpetual community where where it's not just an email address. It's something, you know, it's something that is more closely connected to an artist. Um, so I think there's something there. I think we're going to go through a, a probably a few years of crashes and fraud and all sorts of problems in the in the crypto and NFT world in the same way we did in 2000 and 2001 with all of the internet, the first dot-com companies that crashed and burned. We'll, we're going to go through that, but I think what will emerge is something really high, high potential for music in NFTs. I also think in the virtual worlds, I think there's enormous, enormous opportunity there for performances of all kinds. And, you know, we, we currently have, you know, Roblox, which is just killing it with the really young demographic and avatars. Um, but I, I foresee, you know, we already have, you know, Sandbox and Decentraland and, you know, and of course, you know, the, you know, you know, existing gaming companies that kind of have virtual world elements to it. Um, I think we'll have much more diversity of what that looks like for artists to be performing in, in front of fans in virtual worlds. And then I also think that there's there's a um, I don't know whether it's DAOs or you know what other kinds of communities there there will emerge, but I think that there I don't see any artists moving off of the broad platforms of Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and all of the you know all of the existing social media, but. I think there is going to be a really good opportunity for artists to migrate a subset of their fans, probably their most loyal fans and their most, the people who really want to have a closer relationship and bring those into smaller platforms where, where they're able to, you know, to monetize, 
to share more things with their fans, to have let the fans engage with each other. And I'm seeing a lot of, of these of early, early indications. And I consider all of these things that I've talked about to be artist-centric models. And I'm very, very highly invested in this because I have, I think I have six different projects right now that are all artist-centric models. And they're a mix of things that are kind of 2.0 and web 3.0. And they require a completely different way of framing out a model of, you know, how do you divide the pie when something is artist-led? How do you and all the rights holders? You know, how do you set up infrastructure to be able to pay everyone in artist-centric models? And um, and I think it's a I think it's an enormous opportunity for us to reimagine what this could look like. And I see no reason at all why in all of these artist-centric models, all the all, you know, labels, publishers, artists, every you know, performing rights organizations can all be compensated fairly. But it's a difference in that the artist is at the center of it as opposed to a catalog. And so I, I am extremely bullish about this and really excited about it. And I love working with artist teams and labels who, who also see this opportunity because, um, because there's room for everyone. And we now have, you know, our systems are not perfect by any measure and publishing is really fragmented. So that is really, really complicated. But um, but I think, you know, for those that that are really being forward thinking, I think everyone sees that there's a game changing opportunity that's emerging for artist led initiatives that's going to lead right into Web3. And um, and I'm all over it. Yes, exciting times. And we'll see what happens when it all shakes out. But there is some shaking to be uh for sure uh, to take place for sure but um yeah absolutely fascinating stuff so if people have been listening to this vicky and they're thinking oh actually yeah i want a piece of that and uh, maybe you can help me how can uh, they best contact you or, or see what you're doing oh absolutely i mean you know i'm not hard to find you can find me on linkedin um you can also on my my look at my website cross-border works and there's a contact me page there so send me in you know send me your information i'm happy i love talking to people who um who want to do something meaningful in the space. And, um, and, you know, I'm, you know, I'm now that we're opening up, and we're starting to go to industry events again, you know, you can find me there. So uh, Vicky, uh, of uh, Cross Border Works, Vicky Nauman, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you so much. I enjoyed the conversation. So big thanks again to Vicky Nauman, her second appearance on the Focus podcast, and we're always glad to have her. Um, and there are some links peppered around this podcast where you can go and uh, check out some of uh, Vicky's work and as well experience some of David Guetta's Roblox set uh, in uh, video form. Uh, no, and if you found that useful, please share the podcast on with someone else who you think will get something out of it. And if you want to get in touch with me, please do. It's joe at musically.com. That's joe at musically.com. Uh, we also have a free weekly email called The Knowledge, which, uh, as the name suggests, Rounds up bits and pieces of the best analysis, news, marketing insight, and skills from Music Ally every week. So sign up and impress your friends. Links are in the description of this podcast, as always. So thanks for joining us again here on Music Ally Focus. And uh, that's it from me, Joe Sparrow, Music Ally's editor. Until next time, farewell. <laughs>